welcome back to Unmatched. My guest today is Maria Spector. She is director of social media at Social Chain and someone I'm lucky to call a friend. Maria is a true social media guru with an impressive track record of creating innovative and successful campaigns for some of the biggest brands in the world. She's definitely a powerhouse when it comes to understanding the latest trends and strategies for building a strong social media presence. But what I love most about Maria is her energy and her passion. She's a tireless advocate for good marketing and she brings that commitment to everything she does. What I find truly unmatched is her ability to combine marketing expertise with a desire to make a positive impact on the world. So get ready to be inspired by Maria's energy and savvy. Maria, it's such a pleasure to have you today on the podcast. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, my favorite virtual friend. <laughs> I'm so pumped to speak to a, a, you know, a social media pro. For a marketer like myself, it's a privilege. And so, you know, the aim for today is to get to know each other better, understand your story, your journey, what led you to where you are today, but more importantly, where you're heading towards. So what I'd love to start asking you is, who are you, Maria? And what's your story? This is such a fantastic question, because I feel like, you know, a lot of people try to sum up their story in like one word, one phrase, but I feel like we're so complex in so many ways, right? We're so much more than, you know, our, our job or our position or our hobby. There are all these like facets and who we are. So on the career side, um, my name is Maria. So I'm a social media director for an agency that we are, you know, we're global. And so my day to day or my overarching kind of role is to a lead a team, but also be be involved in in strategy and content curation and understanding paid and in really like building brands to ensure that they're, you know, being their best selves and being transformative on social. But past that, you know, like I am a fiance, like I'm a dog lover. I'm a streetwear lover. Like I am a um fitness personal trainer like there's so many things that like I feel like I am that like aren't encompassed in my day-to-day -day. but I think for the most part you know my two biggest things of who I am I'm a you know social marketer and I'm also a personal trainer I feel like those are like my my bread and butter of nine to five and five to nine do you feel like those are connected I feel like trainer and social media uh, you know marketers seem to have something in common so in a weird way I mean like on the kind of like vein front, it's like, yes, like everybody has social media. So both aspects will be involved in social in some sort of way. But I think the biggest thing that I can kind of like pinpoint in terms of like how they're related is community, right? So why people since the pandemic, especially have like really leaned into kind of like this gym, this personal training aspect. And I think that we saw at least in the States was there was like a 30 plus percent increase in terms of like gym signups and like, per, like onboarding to personal training sessions. And in terms of social media, community now more than ever is so much more important than we thought. Where that kind of comes into play is we see brands like Slim Jim, right? They're, they're all over the place in terms of like who they're interacting with online. We see brands like, um, like Ryanair in terms of like their kind of social listening and community management, right? It's like people really need and want brands and or people to be a part of their lives, right? To be super, super humanized in a lot of ways, right? So the way that myself, I relate as like a personal trainer is, and for those that don't know, and I think most won't is I actually teach spin and I've been teaching spin for five plus years. So 
community is like a huge piece of like what I do and how I relate to others. So as I'm teaching somebody and as I'm like walking them through their classes and I'm as I'm leading them in these 50 minutes, I'm relating to them the entire time. I'm talking about personal stories. I'm talking about who I am, what I do, and in relatable language that they can essentially, again, come back to me with and feel like they're a part of my life. And it's the same thing as like that community management piece when it comes to like social. And so again, it just kind of pins back to like People just want to be a part of something. They want to relate. They need that community now more than ever that we've spent these last two years like in four walls. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And what was super interesting about what you just mentioned was this, this storytelling piece, right? How you're using storytelling to connect to your community when you're doing your spin classes is exactly the same as brands and people you know do when they want to connect with their audience and I want you to talk to me a little bit about this storytelling aspect of what marketing is about today you know Um, especially when you think sales pitches and this marketing decks and presentations that we always prepare how important is it that we focus on the information that goes in there versus you know the actual story that we want to say the transformation that we want to offer um, either to our potential, you know, consumer or client, and and how does that play a role in in how you deliver, you know, the message that you want to deliver to them? Yeah, that's um such a such a good question and good point. You know, I think when we look at like storytelling. Storytelling in general releases oxytocin in the brain. So for us, it creates these kind of like happy hormones, right? It creates this ability for us to connect to somebody else. So in terms of like what I had mentioned, right? It's like for me is I'm telling stories as I'm teaching spin. I'm telling stories as I'm, you know, um, communicating my brand values, my brand mission, because ultimately at the end of the day, most people aren't ready to buy, right? They, They want that like awareness piece. So in terms of how they think about your brand is that story that you're telling, how you're relating to them on a day-to-day basis, how they're putting themselves in like your shoes as the brand, as the brand owner in terms of like values and things like that. That's how they're going to think of you in that 10% when they're ready to actually buy, when they're ready to invest in that product, when they're ready to take the next step in their like personal training journey or whatever. So I think in terms of storytelling, it's just a matter of like that relatability factor that we all need and that we all want. And we see it now more than ever with like Gen Z. I mean, why do we think that like video content is so much more important? Why do people gravitate towards TikTok, right? It's like this authentic value that you bring by showing like your face, yourself, your story, your pieces in this like audio and video sense. Totally. But how do you feel about this like bombarding of information and all these different social media channels? It's like, I'm so curious about your point of view from a professional point of view, of course, which might be different than a personal uh, point of view, right? And I think you and I have chatted a few times about, you know, what do you use your personal channels for versus, you know, the professional aspect of it? So I'm really curious to see how you see it from a like professional versus personal point of view. Yeah, I see this all the time in terms of like how social media professionals use their personal channels. And the consensus is that they don't. Um, I think for us, right, like as a social media professional, I look at everything in terms of like, how are brands trying to get you to commit to them? Right. And so as I'm on our brand social channels, my whole goal is personalizing every single channel. Right. And so the way that I'm looking at it, 
holistically, right? Is, is every channel itself or not every channel, but every platform I should say has its own kind of, um, personality, if you will. So you look at like Facebook, Facebook is that like trusted promoter. Like TikTok is the culture list. Pinterest is like this life crafter, right? Every single brand has its own personality. So in terms of like bombarding content, right? I think what brands are doing wrong is trying to be on every single one of these channels. There's, you know, like 10 plus channels that we can be on. Like we can't be an expert in all of them. And you have to think that most people have one social media manager, social media director, uh, coordinator, whatever on their team. So you can't be a jack of all trades on all of them. So most brands I always recommend to do it right, right, is picking a few of these channels and really leaning into what you do best, telling your story either like visually, either in text form, um, in tip form, whatever that may be, depending on what your brand stands for or needs. Now, as for me, as a person who is like actually like a user, right, personally, same thing. I pick two channels that I really want to thrive on. So LinkedIn, my bread and butter in terms of like my career and growing myself, growing myself as this, you know, social media expert, the person that's a, that's a go-to for tips, tricks, and relatable news and stories. And then on Instagram is more of kind of like my, my personal day-to-day life, that fun, relatable self where I can be like a total dork online. I, you know, you see like my fiance and I trolling each other. I'm out doing, you know, fitness things all the time, whatever. So people and my friends can relate to me on that, that end. Usually there's like a 10% bleed where both will kind of, where I'll share podcasts on Instagram and say, Hey, if you want to check out my professional side, you can see that here. And then LinkedIn, it's like, Hey, by the way, I do the spin thing. If you guys are interested, right? Do that 10% bleed there. I mean, it works the same for brands. There's like a strategy on both ends, whether or not the end consumer uses the, or thinks about their personal brand as a strategy, but it is, there's a strategy. It's, it's, they are the brand, they are the story. They're strategically posting on each channel in what it's designed to do. I think brands just have to think about it a little bit more because they want to think about what is my mission and vision and values and how can we portray it on our chosen channels. So I think like that's the biggest divide. Um, I think I just kind of like have less of a filter when I'm on my personal channels versus when I'm managing for a brand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. makes sense. You know, my personal journey um, with social media hasn't, I mean, I'm not a social media pro, but I'm trying to get there because first and foremost, as, a, as an end-to-end marketer, I feel you know, social media is such a big part of my, my, my work, right? And I need, I almost feel like if I want to talk about building an audience, I need to know how to actually do it, to understand the challenges that go behind that and, and you know, what it takes and how hard or how easy it is, mainly how hard it is to build anything on social media, right? As we know, what is interesting in my own journey is, and what I found is when you are on your personal channels, I think we've, came from a place where we've been all consumers mainly to a place where maybe you want to consume less and 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 build more and create more and put stuff out there because there's this thing with consumption right that it it tends to become a a little bit too much and then you end up scrolling and scrolling whereas when you change this mindset whether it's on linkedin like in my case and Instagram slowly as well is I feel like you're not spending so much time mindlessly scrolling and putting some intentionality behind how you use your you know personal channels Um, so I would love to know from your side like what is your point of view on how personal you want to get on on every channel because if you know followers from LinkedIn which typically are professional 
maybe go and search for you on Instagram, they might find something there that is more personal. And are you, how intentional are you with your content on Instagram, for example? Yeah. Um, well, I'm definitely not posting my social security number out there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> smart, <laughs> but, smart decision. You know, I try. Identity theft is a crime for anybody that walks yep. to the office. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, right? Because we live in like this curated world. Like mm-hmm. people were flocking to be real because everybody thought, oh my goodness, like this is that one channel. This is, you know, where I can be as authentic as possible. I have two minutes to publish um, X, Y, and Z of what I'm doing, but what happened, right? We live in a curated world. So what people were doing is they were leaving their notifications up on their phone, waiting until they went on like a scenic drive. And they're like, okay, I'm finally opening this notification past that two minute time frame to showcase this beautiful life that I have created. So on one end, I think we're all guilty of living in this like fake world and also like providing to it. So being inauthentic, But I think as for me, I try to, God, I hate this word, but it's like, I try to be as authentic as possible, right? It's like, I feel like we beat this word to the ground, but at the end of the day, like, like what's the point of being inauthentic at the end of the day? Like you could be lying to the end person that's like following you. Sure. But what does that do for you? Right? Like, like, are you really kind of living in your purpose? Like, are you like, what is your gain? Like, what is it in this like vanity play that you're trying to achieve when doing that? So I think for me, right, I try to stay as honest as possible. One, because I'm a bad liar, but two, because I just really, I just really believe that there are things that people can relate to me with and there are trials and tribulations that I have dealt with. Like whether it's being, you know, an immigrant coming to this country when I was, you know, six and not having any money and almost essentially raising myself and having parents that didn't speak the language. So in the sixth grade, I'm trying to read them like what their tax returns meant. And I still don't even like know what some of the language means. Right. Or is it the fact that I was 30 pounds overweight and there's somebody else that's like also dealing with that and it's going through these trials and tribulations and they're looking at me, somebody that takes their shirt off right as they're spinning and they're like, I want to be like, you know, like Maria because she seems so confident out there. Little did they know, right, initially seeing me face value is that I went through these six years of ups and downs and eating disorders and all these things. So for me, right, is taking that step back to say, I want to give people as much of me as possible to like really just genuinely give back so that again, they can have something to like essentially like relate to. And I don't think it's too much. And if somebody else like that lands on my pages and is like, oh my God, she's like oversharing or whatever, they don't have to follow me, right? It's like, it's a personal choice to be on social media on a free platform that, which that's a whole nother debate of if a platform is a free, then it's really not free type of thing. But If they're on social media, they choose who to follow so they can hit the unfollow button. They can click the mute button if they really want. But I mean, and just for me personally, I don't post so much that it's like overwhelming one, because I don't have the time or the brain capacity, but two, I just try to be as, I mean, as real to myself as I can be. Right. So to, to, to be that like self-expressive, expressive person to just kind of tell my story when I feel like it's appropriate and if, to be honest, I'm a little burnt out and I don't want to tell my story, like I just have been on LinkedIn where I haven't been posting for four or five days, 
then so be it. That's okay too. But I'm also like learning like what that like means to me, right? Is, is when is that appropriate time to step back? When is that appropriate time to share, undershare, overshare? Um, it's, it's all a balance and I think we're all trying to figure it out, but not everybody has like my personality that is like an open book and is open to sharing. But I think for me, it's, it's nothing is really like off bounds. And I just, I mean, if there is a problem I could solve, like I, I want to give somebody else like a piece of me to be able to help them in whatever capacity I can. Which is a great segue into this other thing, which is how do you, how do you think things are going to evolve from a social media perspective? I mean, I think I told you already, I am not a fan of Be Real, and I'm really sorry to say that, but there is something about, (laughs) there's something about curating your content that it still speaks to me in a way. And that might sound not authentic, but I I don't want to see myself in the worst moments of my life, and I don't want to post that online. But Gen Zers love it. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what consumers and, and you know, the, the new generation of consumers thinks. So I'm really fascinated about this idea of like, where are we actually going towards, right? Like, what is the process and, and, and what is the evolution? What, what is the end of the spectrum of sharing and authenticity and is it going to be at some point like an end point that sort of like a pendulum that is going to go back to being curated again? Or do you feel like this is only just starting? Yeah, this is a interesting question because I love when people ask like, what is the future of social, right? It's like, I don't even know the future of social tomorrow because every single day I wake up in anxiety and like trying to pivot in terms of like where my strategy is and, and how I'm positioning brands. However, I think vulnerability and authenticity are here to stay. I mean, that's where social started. Remember, like Instagram was having its like sepia tone food photos. All we were posting was like our, you know, shitty salad with like this like orange tone. And then eventually it like progressed and evolved. But people love beauty. People love imagery. People gravitate. People just, I think naturally the eye gravitates to to what is beautiful and what is like relatable. So I think there will always be a platform like Be Real, right? That comes out on the scene for like a short amount of time because it is coined, quote unquote, like authentic, but nothing that is coined authentic is authentic. Right? You, know, you think about like Be Real for brands. It's not like the brand social media manager is going to be posting what they're doing at 9 p.m. with their family. Like, sure, that is relatable to them, but it is not relatable to the niche of the brand. Um, so then they're waiting to open that notification and post when they can curate it, right? I think even for me now, like, I love a visual aesthetic. I just naturally, I think my eye just falls on something beautiful when it is on, like, Instagram feeds. You know, you look at, you know, you look at the pumas of this world. You look at your own personal channels and how you curate, right? It's it's what you want the world to see. So again, that's that vulnerable and authentic piece to you, but it is still curated. Whether people want to to essentially say it is or it's not, like you are still thinking about what you're posting, how you're posting it, and you give them a perception of you. Now, in terms of like the social media landscape, I think this is going to be interesting in terms of like teams. I think marketing directors might be dissolved and or shift titles into like VP of social, because I think everything is going to go digital in terms of like paid and their social channels. I mean, we look at ourselves as like consumers, like most of the time we're probably going to an Instagram page or a TikTok page to essentially like search up a product, search up tips. You look at TikTok, it's outbeating Google in terms of like searchability, right? It is now like that next search engine. So I think Instagram is essentially going to have to step up and become that search engine. So 
most people probably won't fall onto like the website, won't be Google searching. They'll just be utilizing social channels. So I think brands like they curate their website are going to really think about curating quote unquote, authentically their feeds. So I think those pieces are just never going to really go away. They might just shift in terms of like definition. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the consumer is going to also change dramatically in the next, say, five years? And what are those consumer shifts that you're seeing out there? Do you mean in terms of like how people are buying and how people are searching or what they think are valuable? Yeah, and, and just how they interact with brands on social, you know, as opposed, as, as you said before, this authenticity, which is not really completely authentic, right? But it's more authentic than, you know, the previously very curated content that we are used to right? In, in classic marketing. I think that people are going to really rely on social channels in terms of like support and in terms of like, again, that like humanized behavior. So I think what we're going to see a lot more of, or what consumers are going to do is like what I do as well. Like instead of like reaching out to like a chat bot on a site, I'll usually like DM brands, especially small brands that I know have the power to respond to get my like questions and questions answered. I think we're going to see a lot of people reaching out to these brands via DM and we'll be doing like promo codes via DM exclusives. I mean, you see Lululemon now they're doing exclusive releases on TikTok like weekly, which I think is really, really cool. I mean, I myself who like, I'm so obsessed. I'm weekly keeping up with, you know, their social channels. I'm responding to them. I'm communicating with them. And then I'm seeing their social media community manager respond to me, giving me like a reason to continually shop there again. Again, I think we're just going to more so see like people relying on social channels to be their like end all be all like marketing, whether it's like their promos, their exclusive releases, their like customer support. Like I think more than ever, I think people like naturally just like want to like shop, right? They want to shop. They have these like habits to like look up their brands. It's just going to all like essentially go to go to social and people in these brands are going to just have to build out their teams to do so. But I think like those are the biggest shifts that I'm seeing right now in terms of like where consumers really are. It's just that big brand community engagement. I completely agree. And I have the same feeling as well. And I almost feel like marketing is becoming more and more personal. You know what I mean? Like based on what you just explained, it feels like almost the consumer wants to have a one-to-one with a brand at all times. And the only way to do it is on social, right? Yeah, no, for sure. We were, I mean, even today, my strategist and I were kind of like chatting about these relatable brands and um, we were looking at Lenovo. I think I'm saying that right. But they were, I mean, their TikTok is just hilarious in all forms. Like they relate in terms of like language use, the people that they use, the kind of like quick snippet content that they're producing. And for me, that puts that brand awareness on the map because they kind of get it. They get into like the brain and in the head of their consumer, even people that might not be using their brand and they know how to use the language for like millennials and Gen Zs to keep their product relevant and to relate. So I think it's just going to be more of that like kind of like relatable, like lo-fi relevant content that's continually going out and allowing the consumer to be like, holy shit, this is me, right? It's the this is me statement. Like I feel seen because at the end of the day, we're all so selfish. And so it's going to be whatever brands can do that can make the end person feel like it. Me, 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 me. Look at me. I'm over here. Yes, it's me. Right. And that's going to like jack those views up. That's going to get them those conversion rates. That's going to put them in that like, you know, 
brand awareness map when the consumer is ready to buy. So so based on this, do you, do you feel there's any space for any more of the editorial content that we've been doing forever? Or is that way too curated for the days that we're living in right now? I mean, I think there's room, right? There's a, there's a, there's a place for it. There's a platform for it. But I think that there's also like a pivot happening, right? I mean, look, you look at Instagram, it's, it's, it's pushing reels and what the, the static curated imagery is just not going to work. However, where that static curated imagery can come in is if you do like cups, I can think of like cover photos, or if you create like a shoppable moment, right? Dark ads, things like that. There's still like, like a place for all of that, like curated content. But again, it depends on the brand. Definitely agree. Going back to the topic of branding, how do you look at brand building? You know, I mean, the typical thing is, you know, you have the logo you have, or if it's a person, well, the likeness of the person and, you know, the tone of voice and, you know, the, the, the type of messaging that they do. But it seems to go way deeper nowadays than it used to be. It, it's, it's the sound of the brand. It's sometimes it's the smell of the brand, right? If you go to like stores and you smell, um, you know, the, the environment, it smells in a certain way because they use certain particular smells that are associated to that brand. Um, there's so many things and so many aspects that you can use in order to create and build and maintain a brand. What does a brand mean to you like nowadays? Yeah. And I think Gen Z would kind of like agree with me on this, but it's, you know, what are, what are the, the mission, vision and values of the brand and how do they relate to my, to my day to day? Right. It's like for you look at something like environmentally, like if I'm really an activist and I want to like save, save my baby planet and I want a, a brighter future for those, you know, before me, after me, after me, there we go. If I want a brighter future for those after me, right? It's like, am I investing in a brand that I believe in? That's really like, you know, looking at emissions, looking at how they're treating their employees, right? Giving back, are they donating? So I think those are going to be the biggest things that people are expecting from brands. I think above anything else, I think when you're looking at like tone of voice and your audience and things like that, I think that can be found in like your, your social strategy strategies, your brand strategies, and those are going to shift and change maybe like annually, right? Or you're going to reevaluate as, you know, social or your brand shifts. But I think like those values are going to really be like the driving piece of every single brand out there, right? That's going to, that's going to be your core audience and why people continually come back to you. What about the personal brand? You know, do you, do you feel there's any difference there? When you look at them, do you look at them holistically or do you sort of look at them based on the channel where you're following them? Like how, how, holistic should a personal brand be compared to a commercial brand because the difference there is obviously consumers follow brands everywhere right on every single platform a brand needs to be whereas a personal brand can live on maybe one or two or three platforms with some exceptions like Gary Vaynerchuk who's everywhere but that's really an exception right and so I'm just wondering do you feel that for a personal brand, it's also important to have this holistic view of all of those different aspects that go into play? Or do you just need to sort of be clear on values and purpose and that sort of it? And then you just focus on one core message. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it can be really relative, right? It just kind of depends. Like it, what is your brand you, 
right? As an individual, if you're say like the Gary Vaynerchuks of this world and you are a founder and a, like a leader of Vayner media, then you are an extension of the brand. Like personally for me, I don't feel like I'm an extension of my agency. I'm a partial representative in terms of like what's happening in the social media sphere, but I don't necessarily talk about like the day to day of what's happening at the agency. Now, Gary Vaynerchuk, because he's a representative, right, of his own agency, he's a thought leader. So people are more inclined to follow him versus follow, say, like his agency on LinkedIn. So they look to him in terms of like, okay, what's happening within like your within your agency? Like, why should we hire your agency on? So he's probably 70% of the time talking about mission, vision, and values of like Vayner Media. He's talking about like what's happening in that landscape. He's talking about like stakeholders. He's talking about how much money they've raised. He's talking about where they donate and why, right? Because every strategic move that he makes is for the good of his company. Now, if you look at myself as like the brand you, I'm building myself professionally. So again, like I said, it's my goals for my personal brand would be finding the best way to to network right with people like you or others kind of like in the space it's it's a safeguard for my career my career identity you know i had to look at like how am i going to grow using this this platform and it's also my body of work so my body of work it's not necessarily representative where i am in my agency but my body of work is what i've done in the last 7 plus years so it's just naturally being that like 1% of users who's publishing and posting because I can relate to, to anybody that's in the social sphere, not just somebody who's trying to sign on with my agency now is kind of like a, like a domino effect of that people inquiring about the agency or wanting to be a part of it. Absolutely. I've, you know, I've had people interview because they've reached out to me on, on LinkedIn, but again, right. It's, it's me as a brand and me just being that access point for that agency. So hopefully that kind of like answers that question a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see that identity piece? I loved how you mentioned professional identity because it, it, it's so important. No, it's, it's so linked to this idea of the brand called you, which takes you from day one of your career until the end of it, as we said at the beginning, at the, yeah, at the beginning of the conversation, how do you see that? evolving for you and is it necessary nowadays to build that personal brand as a as a professional of any sorts of in any industry or is it something that only a handful of people are doing do you see that a trend evolving moving forward because right now if you look at like linkedin what they say is that about one percent of everyone on the platform is actually creating content out of what 800 million users and the rest are consuming, which is pretty amazing. It's the, the numbers are so, so small. Is that going to change? I think it will absolutely change. I think more and more people are going to be inclined to get on LinkedIn. And, and whether that be for a short time, they're still going to do it. Because I look at myself as a test case. I was on LinkedIn for probably five years before and I have maybe posted three times in that time and it hasn't been until the last like four months that I had really kind of ramped up three to five times a week I you know I curated content buckets for myself like talking about whether it's like social media whether it's like memeified relevant news whether it's like my personal life right it's it's creating what was relative to me and I committed to that I commuted committed to daily engagement about 30 minutes a day like I'm laying there before bed I'm like really engaging constantly posting constantly like answering people and giving back a lot more than I take in just to be that kind of like thought leader for social leaders in my space but yeah I think continually as more and more people talk about building their personal brand and 
more and more people kind of overcome that imposter syndrome, right? They get out of their own way and they just hit that post button. I think things are going to generally change because we forget that everybody has a brand you. Everybody has, everybody is their own personal brand. So I think the toughest thing for people is a, again, getting out of their own way, but be like articulating that. Like I struggle with that because I always felt that like, what am I going to say that generally is different than anybody else? And the second that I started publishing, I realized like people actually listened, people questioned, people communicated, people agreed, people disagreed. Right. But I was having these like amazing conversations that also shifted some of the things that I did in the social landscape. You know, I'd, I'd reached out to peers in terms of like their social strategy, how they were approaching their teams, how they were approaching like memes and legal content. Right. And they gave me like incredible feedback, but all of that was because they trusted me as like a leader in the space and they trusted that I wasn't just wasting their time. I was generally like a, like almost like a colleague, you know, that they didn't like really work with. Um, and they knew that they could always re-reach out back to me in terms of like looking over some of their pieces of pieces of content and, or like documents that they were putting together all because of that, like connection that I had made via the platform. You made such a great point. And what is funny is that the reason that I started being more active on social media was because I just naturally felt that I wasn't being an authentic marketer if I didn't know what social media actually meant in terms of actually building something on it, right? So that's that was the starting point for me. And so oftentimes I get you know questions from people that say, oh, you're active on social media because you work in marketing. So it's almost like the natural thing to do. So the question is like, I'm not seeing mostly marketeers though on social media doing this. It's literally people from different industries, different levels. I don't feel it's a matter of hierarchy or if you're a CEO or a founder or a director or a junior, you know, or an intern. It's more about delivering your message and your ideas in a way that people can relate to it. And I've seen extremely young people on LinkedIn, which was mind blowing to me, you know, uh, people that I'm following and then (laughs) That I'm following because generally I'm I'm just interested to see what they have to say on a, a platform like LinkedIn when they're like students. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, what is the actual need of professionally being, you know, active on social media and, and specifically on LinkedIn? You know, what does that do for you? No matter whether you're a marketer or social media or whatever industry you're working in. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, for me, it's, it's giving back to the community. Like it goes back to, to the way that I lead, for example, it's like, I always want to be the boss that I never had. Well, it's like, I want to be the resource that I never had. You know, one of the posts for me that like my very first like quote unquote viral post had just put out this like list of content that I had like garnered over the years. I've just been building up like resources and blogs and podcasts or whatever that I reference all the time. And I've sent it to people that I've like led before. I'm like, Hey, by the way, you know, like I want you to look at these or like cue some of these up, put an RSS feed up. And I just put it out on LinkedIn without even thinking about it. And it garnered like, you know, like it's something along the lines of like a hundred thousand views plus and a ton of engagement, whatever. But it's because people sh- were sharing this resource. And so for me, it's like, I just naturally love seeing people win. I love seeing people succeed because at the end of the day, they're going to have a different kind of insight than I would have. So I like to learn from them as well. Because it goes down to like, right, like the types of, there was a TED talk I watched on the type of mentors you could have. And I always thought that it was like one mentor, right? I thought it was one overarching being that could like lead you in so many different ways. And I was 
so freaking wrong. There are, I think, like five different mentors that you can have. And it's something like, you know, your your fiance or husband or wife. Um, it is your boss. It is also like the person that you manage. It is also the random friend that you have. And it's also your neighbor and or family member. There are all these people that have different insights that can like weigh in and support. So it's, you know, it goes down to like the importance of like building that community and having this plethora of information for you and myself to grow naturally. Right. Because I don't think that just because I've been in my career for, you know, almost like eight years, eight plus years that I'm the smartest person. No, I I don't want to be in that room at all. Like I want to learn from individuals that are, for example, like Gen Z who are so embedded in social media that are seeing trends and understand trends that I might not even understand because I'm classifying myself as way too old. Naturally, I think just for me, it goes down to, again, as always, right? It's like that community piece, learning, it's, it's growth, it's all of that. It's just soaking it in and it's creating environment on a social platform that is like positive and, and continues to push me out of my comfort zone to be like a better writer and a better listener. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely relate with, with this point. And it's, it's funny because I've been mentoring quite a lot, um, in the, in the last 10, 12 months. And one thing that I'm always telling my mentees is that one thing that I found for myself as well is that I was always on the lookout for, you know, the biggest mentor ever that I could have. And then at one point I realized you you sort of need different people in different points, moments of your life. Um, there's no one perfect person to take you through throughout your entire life and to help you out throughout. And there's different topics that you need to work on and specific people that you need for those topics, right? So you might learn empathy from a certain person and you might learn you know, commercial skills from another person and you might learn how to be a very strong um, public speaker from another person. And it's very rare that one person has it all, right? And also it puts a lot of pressure on the mentor when in reality, in my opinion, the pressure should be on the mentee to figure out what they need and then search for, you know, those people that can help them specifically on the topics that they need to work on. You know, you know what I mean? It's the same thing as like having a relationship, right? You can't expect your partner to be your therapist, your best friend, your lover, um, your neighbor and like all of these things, right? It's like, you have to have an avenue for all of that. So it's, I think it's just the same thing with like mentorship, but, but it's, you know, it's just being aware. I think it's, it's being aware of that need. It's just like understanding what a mentor is. It's just understanding just your needs in general. And like you said, right. It's like in seasons, they're going to come and go and you just got to figure out what season is right for you and like what you need in that time. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's a little bit of being proactive, right. Instead of reactive and thinking, oh, I'm going to get this mentor and this mentor is going to help me figure everything out, you know, that that one person, A, doesn't have all the time in the world to dedicate it to you. But second of all, you know best what your needs are, right? So from that point of view, you just need to be laser focused on what that specific need is at a certain point in time, just focus on one thing after the other, you know, like you can't really manage everything at the same time, right? It's just like one step after the other. Yes. And I had to learn, I felt like I learned that the hard way, like, 
I think last year I was super obsessed with finding this, this end all be all, be all like holy grail zeitgeist of a person that I was just never going to find. I was looking for a unicorn that just really didn't exist. And it wasn't until I talked to like, um, another creative director at the time where I was kind of picking her brain. Cause she was just so incredible in so many ways, always willing to help and really creative. And she kind of like put a pause and she's like, Maria, like you just have to think about like, again, this one thing, like, what is it that you're looking for right now? And I think for me, I needed like career advice in terms of like what to do next. So she was my mentor in that piece. She really taught me like how to look for like certain things and certain happiness moments and how to grow in, you know, one way outside of like my nine to five, right. In the career front. And so then I was like, Oh, I finally get it. I finally understand. But it's like, you know, for most people that are really young in my in, in their career, and I mean, I only learned this in like my early 30s, but most people that are super young in their careers, they just hear mentor and that's all they think. Like they, there's no education on it. And it's like, what do you what do you learn in school? What do you learn in, in college that's teaching you what mentorship really is? So it's like, you just have to be willing to go in your own on your own journey and like be willing and welcoming a failure, right? Like I talk about failure all the time. It's like, it's like fall, fail, but fail forward, right? It's like, learn from those mistakes, find what works and what doesn't work in your search and move on, right? Learn and grow. And no matter what you find and what decision you make, um, what mentor you you go with, it's always going to be the right decision because either way you will always learn from everybody that you cross, everything that you do and every failure that you have. I'll be honest, I don't have a great relationship with failure. I've never had. And I think it's been a process for me to get to a point where I'm like embracing failure more than I was in the past. And it's, I think it's completely cultural as well, you know, but I have to say, you know, like embracing failure is, is so important. And I think it relates back to this idea of purpose as well, because like once you figure out what that is, you realize that failing is just part of the process and I love this thing that I learned on a training recently which said fail cheap and fast and I and I thought that's brilliant oh I love that I love that because yes you need to fail and test and fail but it needs to be cheap and really quick so you can you know gather the data and move on and like build on that failure towards success hopefully you know um, in the future so Um, I I do think we don't speak a lot about failure for some reason, you know, like it it starts to get there, but I feel it's almost like a a thing that you don't talk about, especially in leadership, because it seems like, you know, you're encouraging people to, to fail, whereas actually to fail is to test, right? If you look at failure as, as a testing ground for creativity, for innovation, for big ideas, then it, it's not, it doesn't feel so scary anymore. Yeah. And I do agree with you. I think a lot of this is very, very cultural in a lot of ways, at least for you and I, because it took me a long time to be really, really comfortable with it. Um, But also we're taught to look at failure as a negative, right? It just means that it is the, um, the failure of success. I think that's how it's like really framed. But what I like to take my, tell my classes, like when I'm teaching is that failure actually means that we're trying. And if you really look at it, like you'll always wonder what if, if you never tried and what if it goes exactly how you wanted it to go, right? It's like, it's like, what's, what is scary about failing? Like, you're not like, I'm not talking about draining your full life savings and putting it into like crypto. Like, that's not what I'm saying. 
I'm talking about every day, like failures, you know, like if you're, you know, working out, give it that extra rep, give it that extra mile. If you're at work, try to post the thing, try this trend, try this marketing tactic. Your brand will never get to its next step, like to its ultimate potential. If you can continue to, to retwist that wheel, right? Continue to do the same exact thing over and over and over and over again, because that's going to be the death of all creativity. That's going to be the death of that, that kind of like next step, that next push. But I think it just with anything, right? It takes a couple of times to fail a couple of times of trying until you truly get comfortable with it until you face that adversity, get better, get stronger and build your reaction and response to it. Right. Talking about that fail fast or fail forward. Um, to be able to get back up again. Am I going to probably fail? Sure. But I will never know until I try. I mean, in the social landscape, like how many times have we seen, you know, pushback from legal or all these other teams that they're like, we don't either get the trend or it's, there's certain language that we feel like we don't want to be responsible for. What if you become a viral moment in social media? Right. I mean, you look at like brands like Lyft as like they're just doing some like funny shit on there. Like they're just posting like hilarious memes. They're allowing their community manager to run wild. I mean, you look at brands like Manscaped and their community manager is making like ball jokes like up the ante everywhere. And people love it. People like respond to it. But it's because they're given the ability to try, test and to fail. Right. And so then they're they're that memorable brand that's online. I mean, you look at like Liquid Death, like they're. You know, they're grown so hard in popularity, but their marketing is insane because they continue to try and try and try. And I can't even tell you, I'm sure that they failed multiple times, but their creative department is allowing them to kind of like push the boundary, push the limit, test, try and fail. And like you said, it's reframing the way that we look at it um, and just just trying to continue to grow and learn and and be better. It's really it. What's your superpower? (laughs) I love this. Um, completely changing the subject now. No, it's what what do you think is your superpower? Okay, so I have three, if I can name them. Oh, okay. oh wow, I got three. three. Amazing. Okay. Oh, cool. So adaptability <laughs> has always been my like number one, but I've realized mm-hmm. I can also um loop in empathy and I can also loop in grit. So um, adaptability, empathy, and grit, I would say are the, the three, um, for me, just like as a social marketer, I feel like I have to be adaptable. Like I have new clients all the time. I have new strategies to work with. There are new trends, new platforms that I have to continually be on the look for. And I can't be scared to pivot and to change. Um, empathy is a big one. Cause I've learned that a lot of people are less empathetic than more. Um, and it's like allowed me to like understand my teams, understand people. It's allowed me to have like really strong communication skills with, my partners and other people. And then grit, I think this one is like really cultural. Um, I think because, you know, personally, I'm always in survival mode. So I've never been able to shake it, but I'm always looking for that next step. I'm looking to kind of like be on a new level. I'm looking to finish projects. I'm looking to do more. Like there's like this tenacity that I have. So I feel like those three are probably like equal weight right now. I would maybe add a fourth one to your to your superpowers. I'm, I'm pretty sure that this mix that you just talked about also is very well combinable with resilience because all of the things that you mentioned before and the things that you've went through and your cultural, you know, heritage and your journey to where you are today, I'm pretty sure they made you resilient as well. Am I right? I think that's a strong one and I'm going to have to like add that one to the list. 
But that makes me curious. Let's make it five, because four four is like a round number. We need to find a fifth one. (laughs) We need to find a fifth one. Can I put like a good communicator on there? But I put that under grid. I don't know. Yes. Thank you so much, Maria. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you and getting to know you better today. And I'm really hoping to speak to you soon. Oh, Anna, you're awesome. This was so much fun. And uh, maybe I'll be back again. Who knows? (laughs) Oh, yes, definitely. You need to be back. It was awesome. I love the conversation. Thank you for tuning into Unmatched. Remember, building an unmatched brand is not just about success. It's not about popularity. It's about creating something truly remarkable that reflects who you are and what you stand for. So keep pushing yourself to go beyond what you think is possible. Keep taking risks, challenging yourself, and never settle for standard. And if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Until next time, keep being unmatched.